claiming is everything for you and for me. And as Christians, it's God's timing in our lives that makes the difference. So that's what I want to talk about today. Um, we're going to be looking at uh, Matthew, sorry, Luke, where am I? Luke 9, 28, 36. And many of you will know this. It's called the Mount of Transfiguration. And it's a powerful scripture, but let me put you in its context just before what we read. Jesus had been talking to his disciples about the way of the cross, about Calvary. And it didn't stop there because Jesus, right after that, this is what happened. We had glory from heaven come onto earth. And it's as if Jesus was saying, and we know this is biblical, the cross is not the end. The end is the glory, hallelujah. The cross is vital, it's central to our faith, but it doesn't end there. And some religion just focuses on the sorrow and the pain that Jesus went through on the cross. And it's right, we do that. But there was more to come after it. The cross bearer will become a glory receiver. Would anyone say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Say amen online. If you ever looked it up, they type in Amen, the people who are watching. So it's not about just the cross, it's about the glory. And so Jesus, in his timing, allowed this to happen at the right time for the three best friends in his life, Peter, James, and John. And so, Lord, as we look at your word, we pray it would instruct us and bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Luke 9. Jesus went up to a mountain to pray with Peter, James, and John. And as he prayed, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became like lightning. Moses and Elijah appeared with him in glory, talking with him. But those three disciples had fallen asleep. Then rubbing the sleep out of their eyes, they saw Jesus shining with Moses and Elijah. And Peter said, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let's build three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. But he was speaking rubbish. And while he was still babbling on, a cloud appeared, enveloping them with a voice from heaven saying, this is my son who I love. Listen to him. Peter and the others fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus touched them, saying, Don't be afraid. Let's get up. Don't tell anyone of this for now. So this is a powerful scripture. It is heaven coming to earth. And this is a theme throughout scripture, where the glory of heaven breaks into the everyday existence of earth. In fact, David Guzik, the Bible scholar, a contemporary Bible scholar says, transfiguration was not the miracle. The real miracle was Jesus not displaying his glory at all other times. This, if you will, is the real Jesus. When you see the real Jesus, when you see him, when we go to heaven, you'll see him in all his glory. Hallelujah. Are you looking forward to it? Uh, who'll say a big load amen? amen this is your future hallelujah if you love him if you love him and if you're not sure 
You can make yourself sure today. Praise God. I'm going to give you an opportunity before the end of the meeting, if that's you. You can make Jesus your saviour today. Let me give you a little bit of teaching as well here, in mixed in with the preaching. Are you up for that? Yeah. I am not your teacher at school. Some people say to me when they hear the word teaching, they get kind of... They remember a bad experience with a teacher. This is good. This is teaching for life. So what's going on here? Moses and Elijah are the two people who appeared with Jesus. Moses was the lawgiver. Elijah was the symbol and the chief among the Old Testament prophets. Now again and again in the Bible we read that the Old Testament is summed up by the law and the prophets. And so uh, Moses was the lawgiver, Elijah the prophet. So this is symbolically very deep and quite profound. It's the Old Testament meeting with Jesus, the New Testament. Moses and Elijah, most Bible scholars think, are the two witnesses that are represented in the book of Revelation. But even more profoundly, from my blood anyway, Moses and Elijah represent two groups of people, possibly those of us here. Moses represents those who will die and go to glory, but Elijah represents those who will never die, those who will be caught up to heaven at the second coming. Maybe you'll be one of those alive at the second coming. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible calls it the blessed hope. And this has been known in the church, it's a blessed hope. So Moses and Elijah represent the two different types of, pe of groups of people, but all will go to glory, we'll all go to glory. So there's something quite deep, quite profound, and in, from my blood, quite moving about all of this. And so let's get into the meat of it. We're told Jesus prayed, his face and clothes shone. Moses and Elijah appeared in glory, but... The tree had fallen asleep. Isn't that terrible? Well, it's, it's terrible, but do you really want to be asleep when that's happening? I, you wouldn't be in a church like this if you weren't here because you really had a spiritual hunger. These guys were sincere. Yeah, they were weak like you and me, but they really wanted to know Jesus and they had got their timing all wrong. The time was wrong. There's a place and a time to sleep. Most of us slept last night. However, you shouldn't be asleep now in church. Amen. Amen. Uh -huh. And if you are, I have special powers. I know where anyone is asleep. Hey! They got their time wrong. Now, they were tired, exhausted. They climbed up a mountain. There's no sin in this. This isn't a sin thing. Jesus doesn't condemn them. It's not like that. But they did get their timing wrong. And they missed out on something. And they began and they came to it too late. You know, we can see this all over the New Testament with these guys. Many of you will know Luke 22 in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not once. Not twice, but three times they fell asleep when Jesus was going through the agony in the garden. And we can see it elsewhere in scripture again. Sleep broke in and they missed out. When they should have been awake, they were asleep. You know, you and I, 
are living in a time where we're about to go into a whole new season. Even the government are talking about it. You're, as an individual, coming into a new season. Your family, we as a church are coming into a new season. Michael mentioned it. We see the season about building up again. We need to build up the community after the ravages and the war of the last two years. It's time to build again. For everything there is what? A season. There's a time to plant and a time to reap. And this is a time to build up. And that's why we have intentionally and we hope prophetically obeyed the Holy Spirit by planning each of these celebrations and activities where, again, for the first time in almost three years, we can do it. So these guys were asleep at the wrong time. May God forbid that you and I be asleep at the wrong time. Yeah? yeah? Don't be asleep at the wrong time. Because if we're asleep, we miss out on the glory. And if we miss out on the glory, we're probably going to end up talking rubbish. And that's me, and that's you, and that's all of us. Look what they said. They rubbed the sleep out of their eyes. And we're told Peter started talking. Peter was, if you will, the spokesman. History tells us he was the oldest of the bunch. So he usually, in that culture, the oldest would have been the spokesperson. But you know, he just started speaking the first thing intuitively that came to him. And this is really important, because I think I'd have said something like this. Perhaps you too would have said something like this. Peter said, let's build three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. But Peter was speaking rubbish. Why? First of all, Peter was making Jesus equal to Moses and Elijah. He's not. Jesus is God. Amen? Amen. Moses and Elijah were blessed men, but that's what they were. They were men. Amen. And so straight away, Peter was getting it wrong. He was also, if you will, trying to contain something supernatural. And you know what? While the supernatural is never uh, spooky, it doesn't take away from people's uh, dignity, it's never crazy, it's not mad, it's always life-giving, but I'll tell you this, you can't box in God when he's moving in a supernatural way. Because if God wants to move, he's going to move. And the Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is... Okay, the answer is liberty, okay? That, that's not me, that's the Bible, yeah? Liberty, freedom, and God will move. And you know what? Again and again, and this has been an issue in Ireland and all over the world, religion, and it comes in all different forms, will try and box in Amen. what God wants to do. But God will break out. God will break out. And you know, you can travel the length of this country and see buildings where God was in a box with the greatest of respect. But our God can't be confined to a box. Some people say it's a holy box. God can go wherever he wants. The Spirit of God will move where he wants. And men and women who love him are called to believe that. Not unto disorder, but always unto a life-giving order where God can do and have his way. So Peter's trying to box in what God wants to do. Are you? Because sometimes God 
I'm, I sense God saying stuff to me and I'm kind of wary. I'm, I'm afraid it'll cost me too much or it's a bit too much of a challenge. Sometimes I'm not sure what's going on and my instinct is to box it in. But you know what? I have learned the hard way. Never box in what God wants to do. Let the Holy Spirit have his way. Peter is trying to box it in and contain it. Yes, the culture there is one of where you build a shelter every year at the Feast of Tabernacles. Religious Jews do it to this day. It's actually a good thing because it reminded them of their ancestors going through the desert when they didn't have a home. But it also reminds them, and they leave their home for a week every year, the religious Jews in Israel and even here in Ireland. And they live in like a, a makeshift shelter. And what does that tell them? It tells them this world is not your home. Do you believe that? world is not our home. This is a temporary, short experience, but eternity is forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And so when they would go into one of these tabernacles or shelters, it would remind them, this is temporary, but heaven is forever. And so Peter was coming from that tradition. So, you know, we got to cut him a bit of slack, but he was still trying to box God in. So he was just coming out with this stuff. And what happens? The voice of God just breaks over him. Hallelujah. Amen. Just like the voice of God will break over me if I'm talking rubbish or you. A voice from heaven broke in and said, This is my son. I love him. Listen to him. It's like the voice from heaven when Jesus was being baptized in the River Jordan. A voice from heaven broke in. And straight away the voice from heaven declared, Jesus is not equal to Moses and Elijah. The New Testament is greater and surpasses and is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. We, you and I, are not called to be Jews. We're called to be Christians. Would anyone say amen? amen. So the law, the Old Testament Jewish law, no longer holds for us. There is no longer the need for the blood of bulls and goats. We have the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is available for you and me today. And he washes us clean. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A voice from heaven broke through. And Peter heard it. And James heard it. And John heard it. And then... What happens, and this is where I want to talk to some of us today, Peter and the others fell face down. They were terrified. When we get our timings wrong, maybe you've got a relationship issue today because you said something out of time. Or maybe, just as often, you didn't say something at the right time. Maybe it's your career, your study, ministry. Your health, it could be a million things. But when we get the time wrong, you know what normally happens? We feel low after it. We get down because of it. And we go down and we can be afraid. They were terrified. I don't know that anyone here is terrified. But maybe you're afraid because things haven't gone right and the timing has been all out. You know what Jesus did? He came and he touched them. Does anyone believe Jesus can touch you today? Yes. Do you? Yes. Do you know, he's walking throughout the aisles in this building, as he is in many buildings where people are worshipping him today. And he can touch you. 
If you're out of it, if you're not tuned in, if you're not seeking God, I don't know if that's going to happen. But if you genuinely are seeking the Lord here today, he can touch you. Because he went over to three guys who got it wrong. Three guys who fell asleep. Three guys who came out. And Peter who came out with a bit of rubbish. And he just came over and he touched them. And he didn't rebuke them. And he didn't say, you miserable bunch, you were asleep and you should have been awake. There was none of that. Jesus came with life. And if you got it wrong, you're not being condemned here today. Because we've all got it wrong. Would you admit to that? Anyone else get it wrong here with timing in your life? A load of us did. We get it wrong. But Jesus came and touched them. And look at his words. Don't be afraid. Let's get up. If you're low today, it's time to get up. Our nation is getting up again after the last two years. We as a church community are building up again after the last two years. Perhaps your family, perhaps you as an individual, it's time to start getting up again. Maybe you have been afraid, but you know what? How about faith in Jesus? Because he wants to touch you. And before the end of this message today, I'm going to give you the opportunity to come forward and kneel down on the ground on the top. And we had a great time at the last service with this. And we're going to kneel down and we're going to pray that Jesus will touch you and me. And then as we get up, symbolically, it'll be a declaration like Peter, James, and John who got up because Jesus helped them up. Now, if they were terrified, I can't imagine Jesus standing, I don't know, five meters away. Hey, get up now! No, he would have gone over and he'd touched them and he'd have lifted them up. He'd have got them by the elbow and helped them up. It's okay. It's okay. You don't have to be afraid. Don't be afraid. Again and again, Jesus said, don't be afraid. Are you afraid for your health? Don't be afraid. Are you afraid for your future, your career? Don't be afraid. Your exams, your relationship, afraid of being lonely, afraid of fighting an addiction? Don't be afraid. Jesus is touching, and he's touching you, if you let him. Hallelujah. What was the impact of all of this? Well, James... Uh, and this isn't the James who wrote the epistle. There was a number of James, so we don't know there. But Peter and John did a lot of writing, and they wrote things. The thing is, John really never said anything about this. Why was John silent? Most scholars believe it's because it had such a profound impact on him. This experience deeply impacted him. And you know, while John fell asleep, John was the only one of the 12 who stood by the cross and was there with Jesus. And that's why Jesus said to John and Mary, behold your mother, behold your son. John was profoundly changed. And John just obeyed when the Lord said, don't speak of it for now. He didn't. But Peter didn't say anything for quite a while. But it had such a deep impact on him. Years later, he wrote in his letter, 1 Peter 1.18, We heard the Father's voice from the cloud when we were with Jesus on that mountain. It's like I will never forget the experience of hearing God's voice in that place. I will never forget the night I became a Christian. For me, it was an event. For some people, it's a process. 
both are valid. But I'm sure for everyone here, you can remember a time when God did something deep in your life. And if that hasn't happened, it will happen if you know him. Because God wants to touch us and bless us. And he wants to do deep things in our lives. So Peter never forgot this experience. Such was the powerful impact of it. Now, what was going on here with the time? It was all about time. And this is the lesson. And I think prophetically, God wants me to say this today. Because we're on the cusp of a whole new season. All of us, after the last two years... But let's understand what time is in the Bible as I come to the final section of my message today. The New Testament was written in Greek, yeah? yeah. So it was written in, in Greek. And there were two words. We have one word for time in English, time, but they have two words, kairos and chronos. Chronos is linear time. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock. It's how you and I live our lives. But Kairos is different. Kairos is a God moment. Kairos is something from God that breaks through into your linear time. Kairos is an opportunity. It's a bit like in the Bible, the, the scripture, the written Bible is called the Logos. That's the Greek word. But then we have the rhema, where something that is written takes on, as it were, a, a, a no quality. It's a life of its own. It's like God is taking something that is a verse that you might read at any time, and suddenly that verse from the Bible is yours. It's for your situation now, and this is the same. So Kairos and Kronos. Kairos is God's timing. And what happened on the mountain was a Kairos moment, and Peter and the boys almost missed it all. Kairos, look at Ephesians 5.16. Make the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Opportunity, the word there is Kairos. What opportunity is God giving you in your life, in your career, your family, your ministry, your friendships? We see in Luke 19.44, if only you had recognized this day, this Kairos, but you missed the opportunity, you missed the Kairos. And my appeal and my encouragement and my submission to everyone watching and listening today don't miss the opportunity God has given you. Allow the Lord to touch you and help you to get up again in this new season. Because it's a new season and there is a new opportunity for you. Would anyone say amen? amen. Last scripture verse. Now is the time of God's favor. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the kairos for your salvation. If you have never asked Jesus into your life, if you have never known the blessing of walking close with Jesus, you have the opportunity today. Don't walk out and leave the opportunity, the Kairos go, and we're gonna leave an opportunity for that to happen as well. So brothers and sisters, you and I today have a Kairos moment and I want to give you an invitation for that. The band are going to play a song, Chris Tomlin's How Great Is Our God, but I've asked them to sing the verse, age to age he stands, time is in his hands, beginning and the end. Your beginning, 
your end. My beginning, my end. And in between, the Kairos moments for your life and for mine.